Emma Mae Dinkins here. This podcast is powered by the Converge Podcast Network. What's up? What's up? Incredible humans. Welcome back to the Have You Heard podcast. My name is Emma Mae Dinkins and I am so thankful for your incredible self. I'm so thankful that you tuned in to this episode today and I just love your life. I pray that you know today how valued, how significant, and how loved you are unconditionally. And wow, I'm just so pumped. I mean, I feel like we're into the fall season with the pumpkin spice lattes and all of the fall scented candles and the crisp weather because we're pulling out all the sweaters. It's just a sweet time to be alive and it's a sweet day to listen to a podcast. (laughs) So I'm so glad that y'all are here. We are talking about bullying today and this is not only bullying in the means of other people speaking in a defeating way over your own life, but it's whenever we ourselves bully ourselves. Whenever like I speak defeating words over my own self. And so I just want to speak into that today and speak into the power of words, speak into how do we process through that? How do we rely on the word of God and how do we love well? So friends, I'm really excited. Faith comes by hearing. So grab your headphones and let's get into the word. mentioned earlier, I have experienced bullying, whether that was in a very public view of people all over the world speaking very hateful things to me, whether it was about my faith, it was about my physical appearance, it was about the sound of my voice, it was about the the way I expressed things. I mean, you name it, it was hated on. Or sometimes I can just be really mean to myself, even subconsciously. Like I will just, if I didn't do something good enough, then I will just be so upset at myself and it will be an opportunity to speak encouragement and life over the life of Emma, be a friend to Emma, (laughs) where sometimes I don't take that path. I take the path of just feeling really defeated and feeling shameful and just even subconsciously saying like, man, Emma, like, why didn't you do better? Like, you're so bad at this. You never measure up to this. You do this all the time. Like those types of things. And it's just not encouraging. It's not life-giving. And the first thing that I want to acknowledge in this today is That something is so powerful when we acknowledge that words hurt. In Proverbs 18.21, we read that the tongue holds the power of life and death, and those who love it eat its fruit. In Proverbs 15.4, we know that those who speak words that are perverse, those who speak words that are deceitful, like they crush the spirit. Words of death, words of deceit, words of perverseness, they They break the spirit. And so for me to have other people speak hatefully into my life or I'm speaking hate into my own life and I'm hurt by those words, but I never actually acknowledge it when I'm pretending that something doesn't hurt when it actually does. I think that we actually, when we do that, we miss an opportunity to experience how God is near how God is comforting, and how God is steadfast. 
There is power in vulnerability. There is power in being honest. There is freedom in being transparent. If my heart is heavy, but I feel as though I can't be honest about it before the Lord and I can't be honest about it before the sweet people who know me beyond surface level and I'm doing life with, I feel like I can't share it with them because I need to quote unquote be strong, then I'm missing an opportunity to taste and see the depth at which God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. As believers, when we hear rejoice always and the joy of the Lord is your strength, I think that sometimes we feel whenever we hear those things, which are their truth, they're from scripture, we will sometimes hear them with an ear that makes us feel like we can't be honest about our hurt and our sadness because that means we're not being joyful. And friend, that is just not the case because sadness is an emotion. It is a feeling and joy is a fruit of the spirit. It is the Lord and I can simultaneously experience both. I do not have to feel happy in order to also experience joy. I can walk in joy even whenever I'm also feeling sad. That's I think that's one of the reasons why Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Because even when my circumstances are tough, even when my emotions are heavy, even whenever the sadness and the pain is real, I am still at rest and I can still have joy because it's not based on my circumstance. It's based on the character of my God. And so this conception that I can't experience sadness because I have to be joyful, it's a misunderstanding. One of the beauties of joy and peace and love, one of the beauties of the spirit is that whenever I'm experiencing things that are human, (laughs) when I'm experiencing things that are real, when I'm experiencing things that are inevitable, the Holy Spirit is there to be consistent with me. He's there to lead me through. One of the examples that I have to share with you in regard to this idea that like, We can't be honest about how we're really feeling because then we're not abiding in scripture. That's not true. So for example, what I mean by this is that if you're feeling anxious, but you're never actually honest about it, like you feel anxious, you feel worried, you feel stressed, and then you just quote scripture. Like you just say, God, I cast my cares on you because you care for me. It's hard to intimately experience God's care When you yourself aren't being honest about how much you need it. If you're genuinely feeling something heavy on your heart, but you're never honest about its heaviness and you just quote a scripture because you feel like that's the thing that you're supposed to do. I think we're allowing ourselves to be robbed of an opportunity to experience intimacy with the Lord. So in the case of bullying, when people are hatefully treating you, hatefully speaking to you, you're hearing so many opinions of who you are and who you're not, and it's painful. It makes you sad, but you think that you're supposed to push through with a grin, quote a verse, and never actually acknowledge the pain those words brought you. Friend, if that's the route you go, how can you truly experience God's joy that is strong when you never expressed that you felt weak? 
How can you truly taste and see how good God is, truly experience that his grace is sufficient for you, truly experience that his power is made perfect in your weakness, truly experience that his peace surpasses all understanding, that his joy is your strength, when you were never honest and let yourself fully acknowledge and express the fact that you felt weak, that you felt hurt, and that you felt sad. I don't allow my feelings to dictate my actions, but rather the truth of God. (laughs) See, feelings are such a gift. God made us in his image. God, he experiences emotions and he has given us the ability to experience emotions, but they are not a good dictator of our steps. That's why in Psalm 119, 105, we read that God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So it's important for me to acknowledge and be vulnerable how I feel, but I'm not going to let it determine the next step I take. I'm not going to let it be what I lean on. I'm not going to let it determine my response to the person who hurt me. I'm going to let the truth of God do that. His good spirit leads me on level ground. But like I just said, I must be honest about my feelings and therefore see the power of his word in the midst of them. When I'm honest about where I'm at, I'm able to see, wow, God, you really do meet me here. Psalm 34, 18, we read that God is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. Zephaniah 3, 17 says that God calms the fears of our heart. He quiets our heart with his love. He rejoices over us with loud singing. He is a mighty warrior who saves. Hebrews 4, 16 says that because of Jesus, we can boldly approach God's throne of grace and ask for help in our time of need. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, God's grace is sufficient for you. For his power is made perfect in your weakness. But friend, how can you genuinely appreciate how God is near, how he is your comforter, how he is your calmer, how he is your savior, how he is your perfect power, how he is the sufficient one whenever you don't acknowledge your need, when you don't acknowledge your hurt, when you don't acknowledge your depravity? The power of God's presence is made even more aware to our heart and the power of God's presence is even more greatly appreciated when we acknowledge our need for it. (laughs) Okay, the second thing that I want to share with you guys is God's word versus people's word. God's word is constant. And the words of people, while yes, they can be life-giving, as we read in Proverbs 18, they hold the power of life and death. But people, including myself and you, we are all we have all fallen short of God's glory. We are not perfect. Our opinions are one day, are one sided this day and another sided the next day. We are inconsistent and fickle. I want to share some scripture with you regarding God's word. And just notice a constant pattern throughout the description of his word and who he is and the value of what he has to say. 2 Timothy 3.16, we know that the word of God is God-breathed. Every author who wrote in the Bible was inspired by God himself, the Holy Spirit. So the word of God is God-breathed. It's been made profitable for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that the righteous person 
may be equipped for every good work. As believers in Jesus, whenever we go to God's word and abide in his word, we are equipped to handle whatever comes our way, not by our own strength, but by his strength and by the freedom that his word gives. Again, and that goes back to what we were just saying, acknowledging your need for the Lord. It is his word that is constant and steadfast that equips you to respond to people who don't treat you well. It equips you to respond to circumstances that are really hard. It equips you to respond with truth and grace in the midst of feelings that don't really make you feel like you want to respond with truth and grace. (laughs) But by the power of his word being filled with his spirit, compelled by his love that in it casts out all fear, it endures forever. I get to, I get to allow his word to dictate what I do, despite how I feel. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is like a double-edged sword. It's dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judging the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Everything that I am is laid before the Lord. Nothing is hidden from his sight. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God, it stands forever. Matthew 7.24, Jesus says, The man who hears my word and acts on them, puts them into practice, is like a wise man who builds his house on solid rock. And when the waves come and the winds blow, he will stand. Why? Because the word of God is solid. The foundation upon which he built is steadfast. And so whenever the opinions of people, when the circumstances of the world, when hateful words come our way, we don't have to be shaken because we're standing on something that is greater, that is solid. John 1, we read that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. So God is the word. And in Hebrews 13, 8, we read that God, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever, meaning his word is the same always Matthew 4 4 Jesus responds to Satan when when being tempted and says man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God Psalm 119 105 God's word is a lamp to my feet and it is a light to my path Matthew 24 35 Jesus says that heaven and earth it will pass away but my word never will In John 17, 17, Jesus is praying to the Father and he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And in John 8, 32, we know that the truth, when we know the truth, it will set us free, including being free from being weighed down by the opinions of people. Proverbs 30, verse 5, Every word of God is pure and he is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Isaiah 55, 11, Oh God, oh my goodness, guys, the word of God is so good. Isaiah 55, 11, we read that just as the rain falls from the heavens, it does not return back to the heavens until fulfilling the purpose of providing nourishment, flourishing, and budding upon the earth. And God's word is the same in the sense that it does not return back to his mouth until fulfilling the purpose for which he sent it to accomplish. His word does not return void. Wow. The word of God is constant. The word of God 
is steadfast. The word of God, it is firm and secure. The word of God sets us free. The word of God gives direction because it is a light to our path. But the words of people, when we fear the opinions of people, when we live by the opinions of people, we fall in a trap. Galatians 1.10, Paul says, Am I here for the approval of people? <laughs> no, indeed. I am here for God's approval. If I were here for the approval of people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network. And now a message from one of our network supporters. to take a break in our show today to tell you about an online parenting event that you or someone you know definitely won't want to miss. We're living in strange and difficult days, wouldn't you say? And I think it's safe to say that parents feel the pressure to lead in their homes especially well right now. But wouldn't it be nice to feel the freedom to check that perfectionism at the door and become the perfectly imperfect parent God actually called you to be? It's time to sign up today for the Perfectly Imperfect Christian Parenting event that will be held on October 23rd through 24th. This completely digital event was designed to give parents the practical and spiritual help needed to grow as leaders in the home, and it's an easy and accessible digital format. With more than 40 available talks, you'll hear from amazing speakers like Aaron and Jamie Ivey, Mark Batterson, Jonathan Pitts, Nicole Zasowski, the Duck Dynasty Robertson family, and many, many more. Tickets are only $49, so we invite you or a parent that you love to register today for this digital Christian parenting event. Visit perfectlyimperfect.org to sign up today. Now, let's get back to today's show. In Mark 11, Jesus is entering into Jerusalem and all of the people, it's like crowds of people, they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Like they are singing his praise, giving him a grand entrance into the city. And literally four chapters later in Mark 15, they're shouting, crucify him, crucify him. They want Jesus killed. This is like literally right before they put him on a cross to crucify him. Friends, that's insane. Like that just goes to show how people are fickle. Our opinions change. They wanted to bless him, welcome him, and praise him one chapter. Four chapters later, they wanted him dying on a cross. I remember one time I was doing a live on Instagram and I was just sitting in my room talking about the Lord, answering questions. It was a sweet time. And I had someone comment, you are so hideous. And literally two comments later, someone else responded and said, you are so beautiful. And I just kept talking, but I was like, wow, <laughs> this is very interesting. I kind of laughed inside myself a little bit because I was like, Oh my stars, how crazy would it be to allow my worth, my value, my identity to be determined on what people had to say about me? I literally would have gone from thinking I was hideous to thinking I was beautiful in a matter of two comments. It's a crazy train, it's a roller coaster, and it's exhausting. And it's not what we were made to live on. 
That's why whenever we're striving to have the approval of people, when we're living for the pleasure of other people's opinions, we find ourselves exhausted and like we're never able to win. And we feel like we're striving all the time to measure up to people's spoken and unspoken expectations of us. That's why it's exhausting because we weren't made to live by that. I feel like I share these verses almost every podcast, but in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Jesus has come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You are made to abide in my word and in my word alone. And when we're trying to live and build our houses on the words of other people, that's why we feel exhausted. Because waves come and winds blow and we're falling because we're building our our lives on words that are fickle. On words that we were not designed to build on. It's so important, my friend, for you to know what God says about you. It's so important for you to know what is said about you by the one who made you because his opinion of you never changes. I've been told so many things. So many things. I've been told just to scratch the surface that my eyebrows look like caterpillars and that my nose is too big and my singing makes people's ears bleed and that my smile is cringy. My faith is a fairy tale and I've been brainwashed and that I'm crazy odd. Do you know what God says about you? Because on the other end, I've also been told, Emma, I love you. You're beautiful. I want to be like you. You're so encouraging. Your smile is like your signature. Well, if I don't know what God says about me, what am I supposed to believe about myself then? Because I'm having people praise me and I'm having people curse me. It's a trap. It's a striving, exhausting trap that I was never made to live up to and you weren't either. We were made to live and abide in the word of God. Let his word dwell among you richly. John 1, 5. He is light. He is the word, meaning his word is light. And his light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. How powerful is it to know that, wow, when I know what God says about me, here's what happens. When I'm having people tell me that they don't like the way I look and, and that I, I need to measure up, I need to, I need to fill in the blank. I can go back to God's word and refer to, wait, but God tells me in Genesis one twenty seven that I'm made in his image. God tells me in Psalm 139 that he fully knows me. He knows when I sit and when I rise. He has perceived my thoughts from afar. He has fearfully and wonderfully made me. And his works are wonderful. I know it full well. His thoughts about me outnumber the grains of sand. And every day of my life was written in his book before a single one of them came to be. Ephesians 2.10, I am God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. 1 John 1.12, I have been given the right to become a child of God because I have received and believed in the name 
of Jesus. In 1 Peter 2, 9, I am, his, I am a part of his royal priesthood, his holy nation, his chosen people, called out of the darkness and into his marvelous light so that I may proclaim all that he is and so that I may proclaim all that he has done. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I am in Christ. You know what that means? I am a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. I belong to the Lord. Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for me. Continuing in Romans 8, nothing in all of creation could ever separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I am sealed in his spirit. Friend, do you know what God says about you? Do you know you are surrounded in his shield of divine favor? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You are cared for. He loves you so much that he's numbered the hairs on your head because the details of your life, the father sees and he cares about. But friends, we have a real enemy. We know in John 8, 44, John 10, 10, 1 Peter 5, 8, Ephesians 6, that our, in our battle, our enemy, it's not flesh and blood. It's not in the scene but it is the father of lies, the thief who has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy, the, the prowling lion who seeks for whom he may devour. So finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power and put on the full armor of God. And this powerful reminder that is so crucial for you to know leads into my third point, and that is to love now, to love is not to agree with or to condone what has been said to you in the sense of bullying. But to love is to be patient, to be kind, to not be self-seeking, to not boast, to not be proud, not easily angered, to not keep a record of wrongs, to not delight in evil, but to rejoice in the truth, to always hope, always trust, always protect, all per- always persevere. For this love never fails. And why do we love? We love because Jesus first loved us. God so loved us that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We live as Jesus did. When we claim to know him, we're called to live as he did and he loved without conditions. Therefore, being filled with his spirit and compelled by his love, we can live as he did. The people who are hating on you, the people who are bullying you, they may simply not know how loved they are. So what an incredible opportunity to love them. People are not the target of your weapon. Remember in Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God. Part of that armor is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I take the word of God that is truth and I fight it against my real enemy, who is the father of lies. The real enemy, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. My battle is not against the person who's speaking hatefully towards me. John 15, this is really encouraging. Jesus says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. 
This is bigger than you. You're set apart. You're not made to look like the world. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to the world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to test and approve God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. You are set apart, and that means to be made holy, meaning Paul even says that us as believers, we are like aliens to this world. So it makes sense that you're going to be misunderstood. When you see yourself the way that God sees you, you can then see other people the way that God sees other people. Luke 6, 27 through 28, Jesus, he says, you've been told to love those who love you back and to hate your enemies. But very truly, I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you. You don't know their story. You don't know where they've been. That doesn't mean that you're condoning or approving of the behavior. That doesn't mean you're agreeing with the words that they have spoken over you. But you have the authority in the name of Jesus to respond with love. You have been called to be set apart. You are the light of the world, a city built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Called to love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because your neighbor is not the enemy. So I'm going to go over those three points one more time. Number one, acknowledge the words that hurt and take them to the Lord. Be honest. Because then when you're honest about the hurt, you're able to taste and see how God meets you there and heals you in a way that you couldn't had you pretended that it never impacted you. Number two, build your house on the word of God, not the fickle words of man. And number three, love wholeheartedly because people are your enemy. There's a real enemy who hates you, doesn't want you to live out the life God's called you to live, doesn't want you to motivate others to live the life God has called them to live, doesn't want you to believe who God has claimed you to be, doesn't want you to believe how much God loves you, how beautiful you are, how valued you are, and how worth pursuing you are. And if he can get you to believe that none of those things are true, friend, You'll miss the picture. And I don't want you to miss the picture. So love knowing that the person in front of you is not your enemy. You're being given an opportunity to love. Why? Because Christ first loved you. Guys, I love you so much. And I pray that this has encouraged you. I pray that this has just has built you up in truth. Whether it's words that you're speaking over yourself that don't align with God's word or you have been spoken to with words that do not align with God's word. Take all of that to the Lord. Hold it up to the light. And if it does not align with God's word, then friend, by the name of Jesus, it can be crushed into pieces. Psalm 29 says that the voice of the Lord crushes into pieces the cedars of Lebanon. And I declare that those lies of the enemy shall be crushed in the name of Jesus. And as you abide in God's word, may God's word be what you begin to speak over yourself and over others. May you begin to believe it as it dwells among you richly. 
I love you. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so. Share this all with your people and know that I love you. Know that you matter so much to the Lord. And I'm so excited to talk to you again next week. (laughs) Bye, sweet people. blessings and encouragement and a deepening of faith over your life today. Be sure to subscribe, rate, give reviews, and go share this episode with all of your people so that we can continue to build our community and build our faith. Thank you for tuning in to the Have You Heard podcast, and don't forget how awesome you are. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.